welcome to a special Monday edition of Wallowing in the Shallows, the podcast that skirts the perilous drop-off of a deep dive into television and movies. We are academic nerds aspiring to become TV and movie geeks. There are no spoiler guards in the shallows, so listen at your own risk. This week, join us for a wallow in Loki Season 2. Welcome to Wallowing in the Shallows. This is Tori. And this is Rebecca. And today we are talking about Loki Season 2, Episode 3, 1893. 1893. That's part of the Gilded Age, right? Part of the, did you say the Golden Age? Gilded. Oh, I, I, I did not, I'm not familiar with that term, honestly. I'm pretty sure it was called the Gilded Age. I'm remembering my history correctly. Could could well yeah, be 1877 to 1900. Oh, oh my gosh! Well, very yeah. cool. Yeah, evidently. Anything? Okay. Any characteristics of that age that are available? <laughs> Just <laughs> well, uh, rapid economic growth, oh. especially in the northern states and some of the western states so of course it's a period of industrialization you know this is the era of the robber barons which Mm. which is interesting they called that one character in this episode they just referred to him as robber baron yes although i was calling him ear stash because of that (laughs) mustache (laughs) that industrialization is spot on i mean we see chicago unrecognizable from 1868 to 1893 and it's more than just a big ferris wheel yeah yeah the uh, part of the flip side of some people getting extreme wealth is extreme poverty so even though it's called the gilded age there's you know stuff Mm-hmm. that starts to happen but what it's interesting in 1893 and i don't know i think it might have occurred after the world fair i'd have to double check this but there was a um a depression that started oh so and you see this is also a time when a lot of freed slaves moved north to get yes. away from like the jim crow laws and stuff like that so. in fact i think was it lovecraft country that was set in the south side of chicago or at least part of it that i don't know okay did you see lovecraft country i have not oh my gosh i think that the guy who plays he who remains was a big part in that i'll have to look that up oh this is this is how i learned i mean it was a deficit in my education this is that is the show that taught me about the Tulsa massacre and Black Wall Street, and I'm grateful to it that it oh. did. So interesting, interesting. Yeah, were those liked, mentioned in? Um, what the heck? Regina King was in it. Watchmen. Watchmen. I'm sorry, I confused it. You're absolutely right. I I came up with the wrong. <laughs> Thank you for that. Oh, I think okay. that's the wrong HBO show. I think it was Watchmen. Oh, okay. Okay. You're you're right. It was Watchmen that taught me about the Tulsa massacre. <laughs> okay. I but I think no. it might have I think I think it was Lovecraft Country that had this. We may need to disregard all of this. I should check. <laughs> I should check this. I should check this after. And I don't which I don't remember which one Jonathan Majors was. 
<laughs> so <laughs> I've clearly conflated them all together. So anyway, let's proceed. <laughs> well, this uh, director is Kazra Farahini, who also was one of the writers, along with Eric Martin and Jason O'Leary, which when I saw one of the writers was Jason O'Leary, and I immediately thought, wow, is he a descendant? Of the Mrs. O'Leary, whose cow has always been reported to start the big Chicago fire. I had never heard of that, except one of my podcasters, Jim and Aaron, they mentioned mentioned this cow thing, but then said that was probably mostly anti-Irish propaganda kind of stuff. But uh, Mm -hmm. I had not heard of Mrs. O'Leary's cow until they mentioned it. Yeah, I think they're they're probably right. But I remember hearing about that growing up. It must have been in high school or something like that. But but yeah, I was I just laughed when I read that. I was like, oh wow, that's really coincidental. Yes. <laughs> loved loved the old timey ragtime intro of the theme song. Yes. That, that was, was that was perfect for getting us into the I don't know, into the, into the time period. Yes. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. I've never been a big particular fan of ragtime, but I thought it was a nice touch. No, me either. Into that era. Yeah. But appropriate in this case. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so we get introduced to the Chicago shantytown in 1868 as the sacred timeline Hog butcher for the world. Toolmaker, stacker of wheat. <laughs> what? Carl Sandburg is oh. about Chicago. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> I know who Carl Sandburg is, but that's about as far as my knowledge goes, apparently. <laughs> City of the big shoulders. I, I When I saw the Chicago thing, Carl Sandburg, was the first thing that popped into my head oddly enough Hmm. yeah yeah seems seems appropriate seems appropriate and so we get we get Renslayer and Miss Minutes who have been noticeably absent thus far right so it's great to get both we've we've known that they seem kind of in cahoots though oh my gosh the the drama (laughs) <laughs> around Miss Minutes, Renslayer, and He Who Remains was took quite a turn. Quite, <laughs> it quite did. a turn. It did. That was uh, surprising to me. I, didn't, anyway. I, didn't, I don't know if I expected it, but it wasn't surprising for me. Okay. Because Miss Minutes has always been kind of weird. Well, no doubt about that. And I don't know why. I just, well, and of course, after hearing that, recording in episode one between Renslayer and He Who Remains. Yes. I was like, oh, that's made me think that there was something more going on with them. So well, so then so we see this plan that they have hatched that according to Miss Minutes is from He Who Remains at the end of time. Right. That they need to put the TVA handbook in Baby Kang's window. I'm going to call him Baby Kang. I was calling him that too. <laughs> oh, <where are> you? 
was just innocently making some candles <laughs> and they are uh, miss minutes promises they will be by his side and i i must admit i am confused by these sort of hangs that are sprinkled through the sacred timeline i don't i don't know how this works that Mm -hmm. there's this iteration of him and there may be others and but anyway that is what we are led to believe (laughs) this is this is a version of him on the sacred timeline and this giving him the tba handbook will help i don't know i think of like sleeper cells or something like uh spy that's staying undercover and then that gets activated here yeah gets called service and yeah. so clearly it affects them yeah so baby kang's making his candles which i thought was a nice nod to his later work with light and such right. and finds the book yeah or it, has the book dropped it, yes, yeah. whipped into his window mm-hmm. yeah i was you know watching a couple of Easter egg videos on YouTube, and they were th- both of them. I did New Rock Stars. Did you watch it? I did. And then I watched Heavy Spoilers, and I watched Wayne Thompson's Cosmic Wonder again. And all of them were kind of talking about just what you were saying, right? And trying to figure out, or they were hypothesizing that Baby Kang was specifically chosen by he who remains because the Kang that we are introduced to didn't come into existence until the 31st century. Right. And so this individual, Victor Timely, is kind of uncorrupted by all of the shenanigans of the 31st century. Mm. And that's why he who remains chose him. Okay. So he really needs to like get him this information and that he's basically recreating himself. Wow. Using this uncorrupted version. And it's it's interesting. So I've got I've got kind of two things to say about that. One, it is interesting how he has these ideas and he has the TVA handbook, but he mm-hmm. doesn't have the technology. Right. To, so he seems a charlatan and he does, he does, you know, cheat people out of money. He does right. utilize this stuff, but it reminds me a little bit of there's some of Da Vinci's work as well. That is just sort of like ahead of its time. It right. just, it's like impossible with the science of the, the technology at the time, but then sort of predicted things that did end up becoming realities. Right. And so that's very interesting. And then the other piece is, I mean, he who remains clearly has powers, right? right? He's not just human. Right. And Baby Kang, who becomes Victor Timely, at least as we've seen so far, is is a man, a very smart man. Right. But no powers beyond that because my guess is these well maybe when you can transcend time i mean mobius is really old quote unquote renslayer is really old so maybe there's in this universe there's a way to just sort of transcend time even if you are a normal human yeah i don't know enough about the comics and how king got his powers i'm kind of wondering based on i don't remember which of those videos or which of the guys mentioned it but 
they were talking about the human the temporal auras that everybody has yes that that is time stone energy from the universe that everybody's aura is created from that and so i'm wondering if because i hadn't really thought about how kane got his powers i'm wondering if some of the stuff because nathaniel richardson who is kane this is the the real name of the character super smart so maybe he figured out a way to manipulate that energy Mm. which is a good connection to the time stone i hadn't thought about that clearly timely talks about weaving threads of time together and path this energy inherent in past present and future time but connecting it to the time stone is an interesting in-universe it's not just the uh, did i say time stone i meant all of the infinity stones not just the time stone sorry oh i I thought you said time stone but that's okay the auras are all multicolored and so they think that that's the what the auras are comprised of is energy from all of the infinity stones hmm. which i thought was really interesting i mean i had never even it never even was a glimmer wow about connecting this to previous the previous uh mcu iteration right with all of my favorite characters and oh, i'm sorry did you read that uh they might be bringing back chris evans and rdj and scarlet Oh my gosh. I think you told me something about Chris Evans after we found out about Wolverine's return. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't hear about the other two. I just heard about it this week. So I think it's oh some my new rumors running around. And I'm like, yes, please. Yes, please. Oh, wow. That'd be amazing. Yeah, that would be totally amazing. I totally got myself off track because my little heart's like, Chris Evans, better, better. <laughs> what was I talking about? The Infinity Stones and the Auras. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just thought that was really a smart way to like connect all of this stuff, if that's really what the Auras are. I appreciate that. I don't think that must have been... I, I only watched new rock stars and then listened to Jim and Aaron. So those mm. are my only outside, <laughs> mm-hmm. outside interference of mm-hmm. talking about Loki. Well, I'm sure it's in my notes if I would actually go look at them. I have mm. them here in front of me. I just haven't flipped the pages. <laughs> sure. Sure. So any anything yeah. else about our quick introduction to Miss Minutes and Renslayer and any anything else before the Loki the Loki words come on the screen? No. Okay. So interesting. We get to back to the TVA, right? Mm-hmm. And un, unlike last week where they just sort of appeared in Britain. <laughs> We actually have some groundwork for why they go to the 1800s here, which really worked for me. And interestingly, Doc's doing this bombing seems to have bought them some time. Right. Because though the branches are now branching uncontrollably again, it seems like it got it back to a level that was manageable for a while longer. So... I'm a little torn about that in, obviously, they were against what Docs was doing, but would they already be destroyed if she hadn't? Probably, I would imagine, because it looks like that thing is about ready to explode any moment. (laughs) Right. sounds like that thing is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what we hear. We hear hear it. Yes. Yeah. And is it clear to you, because clearly, 
Mobius got out there close to the loom to save Loki, uh-huh. but now they can't. So this this shutdown or this lockout happened somewhere in between. I'm unclear about why they are suddenly locked out. Well, remember when Mobius went to get Loki? Yes. And Loki um, looks like he gets shot out of the time loom. Catapulted. Right. Yes. And he slams into Mobius and they kind of slide through the door and it slams shut. I do. That's when they get locked out. Okay. Because okay. remember, Ob had pressed the button to close everything up and lock and lock them out. Okay, so they initiated a protocol. I'd missed that. Yes, yes. they initiated a protocol to sort of shut it, shut them out. Yes, a safety, I assume. Yes, and in they their can't OSHA rules. They can't <laughs> perfect, and they can't undo that. Okay, thank you, thank yep. you. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, I I keep coming back. I, I know everybody keeps interpreting Ob's responses as just like he's being almost kind of innocent in accepting what people are saying. And I'm referring here specifically to when Mobius says, "Hacking in." Yeah, we can hack in, and Ob says we can do that. But, yeah, but I don't know. I just keep thinking he's playing while well, he's playing everybody. <laughs> It is such a fine line, yeah. right? We we I can think of at least one other instance, you know, do you think I should do that instead mm-hmm. of working on saving the world? And it it is a fine line between innocent and sarcasm dumbass. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And just this actor plays it so perfectly but i do agree with you that there could be some malevolent intent or at the very least you know you idiot uh intent and new rock star eric voss is talking about obi being sort of the savior figure which Mm. is entirely possible but i Mm -hmm. think we talked about last week maybe Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. a kang variant or maybe Mm -hmm. he's not so uh, maybe he's not so innocent and yeah. is playing these playing them all for fools here yeah the two guys i listened to on cosmic wonder and heavy spoilers they're with us i was gonna mm. tell you i go we got some vindication some other people are talking about ob being one of the villains because nice. eric boss is really kind of focused on miss minutes being the villain of this season 100 percent, her being the big bad yeah, I almost see that more as a, the B plot. Mm-hmm. And I think she probably, like, whatever she plans on doing will kind of mess up and interfere with the A plot. But I mm-hmm. think OB is going to be the A plot villain. Yeah, Miss Minutes is really falling into sort of the Pinocchio, Frankenstein's monster kind of, uh, and I'm sure there's plenty of AI examples of this consciousness desiring to be human maybe babylon 5 is it babylon 5 anyway anyway no it's not babylon 5 battlestar galactica Galactica. yeah i was getting those vibes too yeah yeah this this so taking on so many aspects of human but not being human right right that that's the vibes i'm picking up from miss minutes so is that some of it may not necessarily be evil Mm -hmm. as much as this desire to become human 
Yes. Yeah. When Miss Minutes was doing her little exposition with Victor Timely, I also thought of Pinocchio. I was like, I just want to be a real girl. Mm -hmm. I was thinking also (laughs) during that scene with uh, the time loon towards the beginning, you know, when OB's like, we're going to die. I just thought that (laughs) that should be the shot game for Loki every time. OB says we're all gonna die shots (laughs) yes perfect (laughs) I couldn't help but think that it evidently it doesn't matter what you put Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson in they just look good (laughs) oh (laughs) whatever clothes they put them in I was like they look really good in that period clothing yes yes they do (laughs) so They pop in, I don't have much to say about Loki and Mopius in 1868, and it is interesting that it's just years before the 1871 Chicago fire. Yeah. And did you get the impression that Timely was still in possession of that same little shanty that he was in as a child? Yes. So. Yeah. So that must have survived the fire. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Because that whole area was raised. I thought so that, I thought it was uh, a bit inconsistent as well. Yeah, because that's where they built the World's Fair. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, good catch. Well, thank you. I knew there, there was something nagging me about all that. And I think, and that's it. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> So do you have anything else from their 1868 pop-in before they're like, well, they're not here. Let's try the other time. No. Loved the World Fair set. Loved it. I mean, I realized probably a lot of it was computer generated, but really nice. I bought it. Yeah. Yeah. I did a little research because I was curious as to how accurate they were being with stuff. And a lot of it looked accurate. There was a white city. There was... H.H. Uh, H. Holmes reference, at least. Well, I'm not sure how accurate that is. No, wait a minute. Let me think. Yes, yes, that's accurate as well. Have H. you H. read The Devil in the White City? I have not. Oh, my gosh. You absolutely should. When I heard H.H. H. Holmes, I was like, oh, that's a cool nod. Yeah. And did you see, I didn't see this until they, it was pointed out in one of the videos I watched, that one of the ads in that newspaper was an H.H. H. Holmes ad. Like for uh for a boarding for, house. Yeah, for what they call it, the murder or something, the murder house. No, I can't remember. I had I wasn't I knew I had heard the name H. H. Holmes before, and I actually think I heard it on Supernatural. I think they have an episode about him. Well, the devil in the white city is worth reading. Huh. It is it is really good. And it is all about H. H. Holmes and and I think it was Eric Voss that right under the boarding house ad, there's an ad for life. Yeah, insurance. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't, I missed that completely. Total credit to Eric Voss for that. That was really, really funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. He, is a, he is a master of looking at all those little details that just wash over me. All right. I'm putting a hold on the devil in the white city through the library. Good, good. Let me know what you think. I will. All righty. All right. Well, you know, I like true crime stuff. Yeah. Well, this is, I just feel this is so up your alley. Um, 
Yeah. Um, yeah. The giant Ferris wheel. That was actually the first Ferris wheel ever. So cool. Debuted at the, the world's fair. I also, I noticed people walking around with cotton candy or oh. sugar. And I was like, wow, did they really have that then? Same thing with like the Cracker Jack. Yes. That all right on track. Like Cracker Jack was first invented or caramel corn. It wasn't called Cracker Jack then. In 1871 in Chicago hmm. by a German immigrant by the name of Frederick William Ruckheim. And he was selling it on the street corners of Chicago. Oh my and gosh. Some salesman was eating it. And he's like, that's Cracker Jack, you know, because Cracker Jack was this euphemism for something's really, really good. <laughs> I was like, wow, all these little details. Love that. Yeah. And what was it? Oh, the other thing I thought was, oh, it was the murder castle. Oh, okay. That's what I was okay. trying to remember. But I also found out that I thought was interesting is there were some people that were really inspired by this Colombian exposition, mm -hmm. which was to celebrate the anniversary of Columbus's arrival in mm -hmm. the Americas, but it inspired, have you ever heard the name Francis Bellamy? Bellamy sounds familiar, but I, I can say nothing. He's the dude that wrote the Pledge of Allegiance. Oh my gosh. And so somehow the World's Fair inspired him to write the Pledge of Allegiance and inspired this woman, Catherine Lee Bates, to write America the Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The other thing, which did not surprise me at all, and so this is definitely where the show took liberties, mm -hmm. is when they were calling it the White City. Yes. That wasn't a euphemism. That not only was the, 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 the buildings themselves painted white, but really only white people were allowed at the fair. Oh. They didn't even really let black people participate in the building of it, except to do the most menial tasks. So Victor Timely would not have been no doing and, an act. Right. Yeah. And Renslayer would have been run out oh. of there. Right. I mean, they, right. there are elements of the racism of the of the time, right? When those white guys are referring are calling Victor Timely boy. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. but yeah I thought that was very interesting I hadn't heard anything about that of course I'd never bothered to look up anything about the world's fair because I wasn't interested but you'll be more interested after reading devil in the city <laughs> yeah I bet I bet so that that's my little tangent on the world's fair love it love it and and Mobius is enjoying it all he is just <laughs> relishing all of the, you know, he's just boots on the ground, doing old-fashioned detective work and eating Cracker Jacks all the while. I couldn't help but think of Aziraphale in season oh, two. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a good, you know, there are a few... There's more than a few parallels between yes. the relationship of Aziraphale and Crawley <laughs> and Mobius and Loki. You know, there's really, especially when we think a little bit more about Loki and Crawley, you know, yeah. they sort of meant to be evil villains and, oh, but really kind of more complicated. I don't know. I don't know. Just <laughs> there's, there's, some, there's some digging to be done there. 
Yes, there is. Now, of course, my mind's going, well, will they end up like Crowley? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Phil, that would be interesting twist. And even with the two of them living for so long, you know, being uh-huh. these sort of eternal beings, it's yes. it's it's just very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Two shows we love. Yes, I had to laugh when Mobius after they they come out of like the Chinese pavilion, which I didn't catch is a connection to Iron Man three. Oh, would they wow. have that big scene at the Grauman's Chinese Theater? No, didn't catch that. Yeah, totally over my head. I had to laugh when Mobius is like, I notice everything. I see everything. And I was like, yeah, except that Renslayer was basically playing you the whole time. Yes. <laughs> yes. It was good. It was good. So they, they get a lead, the yes. ghost clock haunting got midway. A clue. A clue. A bread cut rum, if you will. <laughs> and I love the, the little scene where they're standing outside like the Norse exhibit. Oh my gosh. With the statues of Thor, Odin, and Balder the Brave. <laughs> Perfect. Evidently, Balder the Brave is a character from an MCU comic. Mm-hmm. And he's the half-brother of Thor and Loki. <laughs> but <laughs> Loki's like, Thor's not that tall. And I was just like, oh, Loki, you just can't get over it, can you? <laughs> can't. Can't get over it. And I loved another line of Loki's here when he was saying how trivial it was to be, reduce a whole culture to a diorama. Yes. And he said, such poverty of imagination. I and actually, I just thought yes. that's poetic. I wrote that down because I loved that turn of phrase. Loved it. Yeah. I feel like I could use that yes. in today's I quite regularly. Such poverty of imagination. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Then they come upon another clue, Victor <laughs> Timely's temporal marvels. Yeah, there's a subtle, <laughs> yeah, a subtle Easter egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, marvels. <laughs> and I did not catch that that polka band Loki's theme. Yeah, did you? I didn't that? either. I oh. the polka jumped out to me the polka music but it took was it eric it must have been eric boss who said it was loki's theme i didn't catch that at all yeah i was paying really close attention to that polka song too because i was trying to identify it because Because you have a history of polka yeah i loved polka my dad and stepmom took us to polka dances all the time that was fun i mean my folks taught many of my friends how to polka I seem to recall, is this a bit of the story as well, that all you kids and maybe friends would go and th- so it was a bunch, it was a bunch of individuals right. and your dad would like buy you a pitcher of beer yes. <laughs> yep. to share amongst all of you. Yep. I think that's such a perfect Midwestern story that <laughs> that was totally okay to give an underage group of children <laughs> that it was like oh this this parent knows what he's doing it, none of them are going to have more than a cup of beer yeah. of light beer likely yeah well you know it was the 70s yeah a little bit different (laughs) yeah no seatbelt laws etc etc yeah and it was actually a a parent could give their child Mm -hmm. alcohol that was legal Mm -hmm. oh and then I guess my dad could have argued if any if anybody would have even bothered calling him on it but nobody would have bothered at that time 
Um, he would have just, well, I gave it to my kid. What they did with it, I wasn't paying attention. I didn't see. <laughs> but nobody, nobody would have no. called anybody like that. But yeah, that was so fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's a cool. I love, obviously, I remember that story well. <laughs> so everybody is gathering on the scene here. Yes. We've got Renslayer with Miss Minutes in the bag. We've got Loki and Mobius arriving. And he who remains has Frederick Douglass hair. <laughs> <laughs> I loved his hair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Great shout out. And actually, Frederick Douglass was calling for a boycott of the fair because... Um, you know, of the not hiring black people to help build it and not being allowed in and stuff like that. So, well, then that's a nice nod. Yeah. Yeah. Almost inserting Frederick Douglass mm -hmm. there. I, yep. I like that. Yeah. Loki looks terrified. He does. I was so impressed with his, I mean, I don't know why I'm impressed with Tom Hiddleston's acting. I know he's impressive, but he just, he, he looked, he looked almost more terrified than I could even believe was warranted. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down that he looked quite shaken. Yes. Almost stricken with yes. fear. Yeah. I, I thought that was great. And Moby's is like, well, he doesn't look that bad. Mm -hmm. well not in those words but okay, pretty much terrifying <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. wow and they're immediately rewarded i mean they they haven't seen minutes yet but they see right. renslayer right and they hear he who well timely right. mention his temporal loom yeah yeah so, and this was the perfect uh, thank you casey for the hit on the temp pad this is yes. exactly where they need to be yeah that Casey, hidden talents, deeper talents. Mm -hmm. I got totally lost in Victor Tyler's explanation of this temporal loom and how it worked and everything. I was like, okay. Well, I must say, I feel he was drawing quite a bit on the laws of thermodynamics. And yeah. those were developing and had been developed right around this time. So I think that's perfect. And hmm. this idea of entropy. Right. And he said he was lowering the entropy. It was like using the energy, harnessing the power of time, which mm -hmm. that's an interesting, I you know, right. that's not necessarily physics-based. But this idea of lowering its entropy, entropy is disorder. Right. 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 And in thermodynamics, you find that disorder in the universe is increasing. You may take a stack of cards that is in disorder on the floor and put it into order, but it takes energy to put it into order. Okay. So even though the stack of cards is now in order, the overall disorder of the universe has increased. And so every time we try to, th there's this idea of no perfect machine that right. you always have to put energy in, in order to get energy out yeah. and solar energy. I mean, we're using this energy that's coming from the sun so that that energy is, is there right. and we're harnessing it, but we're not harnessing it perfectly. We're not converting, you know unit for unit this the light into 
into electricity. So I really felt like there was a lot of this thermodynamics and the three the three laws of thermodynamics. I, I won't get into the details of them, but there's a cool gambling analogy to the mm-hmm. three laws of thermodynamics. And the first law being you can't win. And that is this idea of you can't you can't get more energy out than you put in. Okay. You can't even break even. You can't even get exactly the energy out that you put in. And the final thing, you can't even quit the game because you are in the universe. And so no matter what you try to do, you can't even leave the table. And so I I think that is a cool, I mean, it simplifies things, but I think it's a nice way to sort of get an accessible handle on the laws of thermodynamics and entropy. And so I really felt they were playing with this hugely and particularly the nod of using the word entropy. And entropy you can consider as chaos, right? Right. Becoming more disordered. And so chaos versus order And it's interesting that another nod later when Renslayer says she is order. Mm -hmm. And then you have Sylvie coming in. Right. And so I really loved this harnessing the power of time, this this nod to entropy. And I really feel it was an intentional connection to thermodynamics, which, of course, I got very jazzed about. (laughs) Yeah. I under I've understood the entropy piece, but it was a lot for me to try to put together there. But sure. it's nonetheless kind of interesting. And I had to wonder what the people in that time frame, how many people really understood what he was saying. Right. And of course, when he was mucking about with his machine, I couldn't help but think about Tesla yes. and his work and and I, of course, Tesla and Edison were both at the fair. and The battle of the currents. The battle of the currents. Also a perfect connection with, I, I love these nods to science, to the current, the current science as well. Right, right. I, I had really no idea that Edison was the whole DC current thing and Tesla yes. was the AC current thing. Mm-hmm. So that was new to me. That was from one of the videos, not in this episode itself, right? It was in one of the correct Easter egg videos. Just correct. to make it clear to anybody yes. who might be listening going, did I miss that in this episode? No, no. It was in one of the re- reaction videos I watched. Though I believe Timely does specifically call out Edison with the light bulb. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did but not, think... not the DCAC. Story. Right. Right. I think Voss made a mistake. You know, Victor Timely's carrying that little lantern yes. thing, and Voss says it's got a candle in it, but it has a light bulb in it. No, it's a light bulb. Yeah, which made me think about, were they able even to do that kind of thing at that point? I don't think... It's a little bit early. Yeah, would there have been a little battery-powered lantern like that? Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> because... They didn't have anything to power it, right? Because the dry cell battery hadn't been invented. Well, there you go. That was magical right there. Yeah. I mean, not magical, but ahead of its time right, right. there. Him even having that early flashlight. Right, right. 
because I that I wondered that when I saw that I was like whoa did they have flashlights back then mm-hmm. but no so he was ahead of his time didn't have the technology yet but had the ideas I wonder how he was powering it then in there it's a great question I missed that but anyway 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 okay what do I have next oh <laughs> I have why did these guys want to buy the machine when it clearly only worked for a minute? Yes. And then, yes, the prototype that pretty much exploded on stage. Yeah. So, ear stash, dude, you deserved it. Be taken in by a con man. Mm-hmm. Clearly, there was a problem with the machine, but I think he got dazzled by the light. It was so Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> I have two quotes that I just, that, that, Victor Timely said that I would just like to jump back to his speech really quickly. Oh, okay. One is he who remains said, if it can be dreamed, it can be achieved. Yes. So that's what he said. And I was like, that sounds kind of familiar. Uh-huh. And I found the quote, if you can dream it, you can do it. Well, who so- said that? Well, listen to this. It was Walt freaking Disney. Oh, really? How cool is that? <laughs> I, I I thought that was really amazing because that's awesome. Disney. So I I was I felt that was a rabbit hole worth going down. Wow. And then uh, so I loved that. I thought that's that was great. a really pretty cool connection to Disney. And uh-huh. then also, he who remains said. All science is fiction until it is fact. And Mm. I was like, boy, has Mm -hmm. anybody said that before? And Mary or Marie Lou said everything science fiction until someone makes it science fact. Mm. So I thought that that was a pretty similar word, right? Just kind of a similar, similar concept. And I wonder if they used... Marie Lou's words there, right? Paraphrasing them, and I was not familiar with Mary Marie Lou. Thank she's you. I was Chinese just going to say, who is she? I've never heard of her. She's a Chinese American that was born in 1984. That's done some various stuff I was unfamiliar with. But one thing, one of the things she wrote was Batman Nightwalker. <laughs> what? <laughs> And so I wondered if this was a little, you know, an interesting little connection to DC. That was the only thing that I thought maybe was a connection. (laughs) Wow. I didn't even think about looking up those quotes. I really did like the, um, it's all science fiction until it's fact. Yes. And I actually like the way Marie Lou Lou says it a little bit better. Right. But I I liked them both. So, okay. I just wanted to jump back to both those quotes because I thought they were interesting. Yeah, no, they they are. Cool. So we see Renslayer talking. Renslayer tries to get he who remains attention. And we see the first indication of his stuttering. Yes. Which he was so deliberate on stage. Yeah. Which was that... driving me crazy. I didn't. Yes. I like, what the hell? But mm-hmm. once he started to stutter, I was like, oh, well, Explained. that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point about the gentleman with the ear, ear mustache or whatever, ear is that stash. what you called it? An ear, an ear stash. stash. <laughs> we get an important reveal here about he who remains doesn't do partners. Yes. That is what ear stash says. Let's be partners. And he's like, I don't do 
partners, which yes. obviously becomes important later. Right, right, right. I did look up that $1,000 in 1893 is worth approximately $34,000 today. Mm-hmm. I I thought it was going to be more. I, <laughs> I thought it was going to be like I... a million. Paltry. Did you catch the bit that he who remains went to the bar and put a little money under this guy's cap? Yes. And I've heard two different interpretations of that from the uh, the reaction video things. Okay. I will be very interested in your interpretations. My guess, and I did not go back to check this because I Mm -hmm. saw it on my second watch, was that he was the guy who threw out the first bid. Mm Mm-hmm. But I didn't go and verify that. So that he sort of primed the pot for bidding to happen. Yeah, no, and... he, asked, he absolutely did that. Okay, okay, okay. So I thought he was giving this guy his cut because of doing that. That was my interpretation second time around. First time around, I didn't really recognize that it was the same guy. Yeah. But second time around, I was like, oh, he was a plant to drive mm-hmm. up the bidding. Okay, okay. Somebody else, and maybe it was Voss, interpreted it as Victor Timely was just being a good guy and giving this guy a hundred bucks because he lost the bid. And I'm like, no, no way. So no way. And but I think that they were really trying to make an argument that Victor Timely is a good variant of Kang. Mm -hmm. But there's this. I don't. I don't know why everybody is so hepped on. Victor Timely being good. I mean, he's a con man. He's he's totally a con man. Yeah. And and just p- paying your plans is just good business. They're not right. going to do it if you don't. Right, right. I guess we'll find out one way or the other. Now, I don't feel he's full of malevolence and evil. Right. But he's not, not he's like, not right, right. The potential We're not seeing for it. indications of that, but we're definitely seeing that he's, living his life and you know who can blame him maybe this is the only way he can get by but it does seem like some of his inventions like the refrigerator chair if it works i mean yes. some of his inventions seem legitimate and boy he could sure market that portable that portable flashlight lantern if yeah. nobody else has got that yet yeah exactly exactly very interesting i thought when i saw the refrigerator chair i was like well that would be a really popular thing for a sunday football Mm-hmm. you never have to leave you just pull your beer out from your refrigerator chair perfect i i wouldn't be surprised if those already exist <laughs> probably a little do. portable fridge out the side of your easy chair <laughs> probably probably adorable how loki handles the big galoot <laughs> <laughs> i've been i've been getting a lot of mileage out of galoot <laughs> Yeah, he was a big guy. And I loved when they leave and you see him in the pig cage. <laughs> and did you see Loki like salutes him? Gives yes. him a little two finger salute. I'm like, oh, you're just sassy, Loki. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he'll be he'll be here all week. I mean, yes. it was actually a place where disappearing somebody as would look like a magic trick. I mean, yes. this this on the midway there it's like okay yeah good good. i was like quick thinking mobius yes yes did those this has nothing to do with what we were just talking about going off on a tangent here did the chase scenes in this episode give you keystone cop vibes (laughs) 
<laughs> Not until right now, but I'm feeling it. I like it. <laughs> and then Sylvie. Oh my gosh. Yes. She is the major weird tempad reading. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's because she's using he who remains tempad. Yep. Like the she... big daddy tempad. Big daddy is right. I just wrote down, <laughs> excuse my language, I'm fucking done with Sylvie. <laughs> so I agree with that. And yet, I do see another side mm-hmm. with her saying, why do you believe that this, that you know the truth about the TVA, that mm-hmm. this is really going to do anything i mean Mm -hmm. what is the consequence of this loom exploding right catastrophic to the tva will it destroy all the universes or will they just go back to not being monitored so what is loki's who has given him this information that this is going to be absolute destruction ob he who remains he who remains and people at the TVA. Right, right. Well, I mean, OB's running around like, we're all going to die. We're all going to die, right? But is it just everybody at the TVA is going to die because the loom explodes? And couldn't they all just evacuate out of the sinking ship? Well, that's what I wonder too. I actually have it in my notes somewhere. I would be like, give me a time door to the furthest point away from here. I don't want to be at ground zero. Yeah. And even if it's going to kill me eventually, I'll take the little bit longer time that distance gives me. But if we were under the hypothesis that OB is going to be one of the bad guys. Exactly. Then him running around saying we're all going to die, all going to die provides a sense of urgency to everybody else. And he's just, you know, leading them down the garden path kind of thing. So that is where I am still reserving judgment Mm. about Sylvie because I'm like, well, how does Loki know? And when I question who his information givers are, Mm -hmm. I can see that it could be erroneous. Right. Right. But Sylvie can't can't close the deal anyway because she has too much humanity and doesn't want to kill the person before they're the bad person. Well, how do you kill somebody who's just made the argument that you've been making for all of your actions? Uh Uh-huh. So, yeah. She's at least consistent. Sylvie is consistent, even though she's an agent of chaos. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Consistent chaos. She's a consistent chaos maker. (laughs) Yeah, I know at the end I was like, damn it, Sylvie, I'm still really done with you, but you pull it out when it's needed. Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, she hedges her bets because she's like, this is on you, right? Right. She, her inaction, she then puts on, if there's consequences, they're your consequences. And it's sort of like, well, really? You didn't kill him. So aren't, don't you sort of own some of this, but. Well, she never takes any responsibility for her actions. Exactly, It's always what other people are doing that's making her do stuff. And that argument pisses me off. I'm like. That, we have just hit on what I found, find annoying about Sylvie. mm -hmm. Not her motivations, but Mm -hmm. her, her constant blaming everybody else. Right. 
Right. Even though it's sometimes, you know, it's connected to her actions as well. Right. Right. Take responsibility for the decisions you make. Mm -hmm. Drives me freaking insane. I could help but think before we move on that Sylvie could be right, right? That this is all just a part of he who remains plan, which obviously this is all part of he remains plan. Mm -hmm. But the thought popped into my mind, like, what if what's happening now is why the TVA starts hunting Lokis? Interesting. That popped into my head during this scene. And I was I wrote down Sylvie does have a point about Victor Timely being weaponized. Yes. But it wasn't actually the TVA, but just Renslayer, who was being used by Miss Minutes, who was being used by He Who Remains. So in effect, He Who Remains was weaponizing himself. 100%. It's like a little, ah, boy, all the different trails and twists and turns and... I'm glad I'm writing stuff down. You need to follow stuff that's going you, on You absolutely must. You absolutely must. Wow. Wow. So speaking of weaponizing, Miss Minutes weaponizes herself. <laughs> <laughs> and talk about a clock haunting the midway. She went from haunting to terrorizing in <laughs> half a second flat. And then the adorable, I mean... Mobius with glee grabbing a two-person bicycle and Loki saying, absolutely not. <laughs> yes. And I did miss it, but caught, uh, you know, it was identified in, in one of the reaction videos where they actually yeah. are seen riding it in the background. <laughs> I think it I think it was Eric Voss. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> I missed that too. And I'm so glad that that he gets him to do it. He says absolutely not, but he gets him to do it. <laughs> It is Crowley and Aziraphale. It is totally Crowley and Aziraphale. Oh, and just one, I'm sorry, this goes way back to when they were eating Cracker Jack. Uh-huh. But I think it was Jim and Aaron, a podcast that I listened to, that mentioned, remember how Loki says that eating the Cracker Jack tastes like ash? Mm-hmm. They mentioned that perhaps that was an allusion to the Great Fire, like that Loki's senses were so heightened that he can kind of smell and taste the great fire decades later. Wow. Okay. Anyway, just, just threw that out there. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. The next thing I have, what do I have next? Well, I mean, the one big thing from the scene and Victor Timely's shack Basically. yes the shanty that the still shanty. that survived the great fire yeah. yeah the one shanty that probably did but uh-huh. i had to laugh when he referred to like michigan as the caribbean of the midwest that as well was it was it michigan or was it wisconsin well if it's chicago it has to be lake michigan oh lake michigan oh of course okay i perfect yes i'm sorry i thought you were referring to the state no 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 yeah Yeah. no that was amazing (laughs) i i I have question mark question mark question mark (laughs) well speaking of funny things referring to loki as the wizard gentleman and mobius (laughs) as his butler was also perfect that was great and i mean miss minutes and renslayer 
do have a point when they say Loki switches sides. You can't really trust him. I mean, he is the one who killed. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) you know, was part of the plot. He didn't actually do it and he was defending him. But they it was a Loki that that killed (laughs) another incarnation of his. So, I mean, I, I mean. Before this season ever started, would we ever be defending Loki, right? And saying, right. no, you got it. You got to trust the trickster. <laughs> <laughs> what do you got next? Well, Renslayer revealing she gave King the handbook and Minutes being real pissed about her oh, yeah. saying She's that. Real, like, real yeah, like the way the mailman gives you a letter. I yeah. mean, it wasn't, you didn't send the letter. You She's just right. delivered it. It, it. it absolutely <laughs> is. I mean, seeing Minutes' expressions through <laughs> this whole episode, I've kind of missed her. I've kind of missed Miss Minutes. They're doing a great job with this animated clock. <laughs> and then this handbook being sort of a conversation between Timely and OB. Yeah. Also made me feel OB is more than he appears, yeah. and perhaps in a devious way. Yeah. That it is not he who remains who wrote this book that was so pivotal it's ob and again ob just may be another version of he who remains i'm not ruling that out right but definitely his role is huge and so we see that he's designed this throughput multiplier that he shows sketched in the pages right and Timely is a man before his time. I mean, activating him with this information when he doesn't have all of the science available to him, the technology, is a tricky deal. You mm-hmm. know, you can't you you can't just make all of the world move forward intellectually, even if you know what's coming. Right, right. But Renslayer makes the fatal mistake of <laughs> referring to their relationship as a partnership. Yeah. It gets her it gets her dumped in the drink. Yes. Miss Minutes took advantage of that. Mm-hmm. I wrote down she a jealous evil bitch AI. <laughs> oh yes. But I lived like Renslayer basically like, oh no, you didn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna row after you. And wow. I don't know how close they are to their port of call, but she is not far behind. She is not. That ship must have been being propelled by oars as well. As well, exactly. <laughs> the scene in the lab. Oh my God. I mean, Miss Minutes just gave me the creeps the whole time. She's got a weird daddy fixation. Oh, it is upsetting. <laughs> it is it really, this is where the Pinocchio came in. This mm-hmm. is where the Battlestar Galactica came in. You mm-hmm. know, this this creature, this entity that has more power and abilities than any human desires the confines and presumably the expiration date <laughs> of a human body. Right, right. She wants to be a real girl. She wants to be a real girl and she wants to get with Timely. I really did not like it when she superimposed her face on that mannequin. Creepy. I was like, that is wrong, wrong, wrong. Glitches Magoo. Yep. 
Yep. Yep. I was happy when Victor Timely trapped her back in the, whatever that thing was. Mm-hmm. What was I that sl- thing? Was that a tempad? That's my, that's my understanding. Did they lift it off Renslayer? I bet so. I bet they yeah. grabbed it off Renslayer when they dumped her in the drink. Probably, probably. Yeah, this whole lab scene, particularly when Renslayer and then Sylvie show up. Yeah. Really start to see the parallels between like Hang and Loki, Renslayer and Sylvie. Mm-hmm. And they're really the flip side of one another. So maybe foils to one another. Foils to one another. Yeah. Slayer, I mean, we talked about it a little bit earlier, right? One is order, one is chaos. Exactly. And that you could almost say the same thing for Kang and Loki. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. For me, those things really just started to come together. I like it. What is Mobius? Uh, a foil for Miss Minutes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that, but that's funny. I like it. Well, here's here's Miss Minutes wanting this human life, and then there's Mobius who doesn't want to know about his human life, mm-hmm. is worried about what it might be. So yeah, 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 afraid he might like it too much and want that human world. And yeah, kind of. I think it might be. I think I think these two might be the. Yeah, now that pair. you're talking about it that way, it makes sense. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> I was. Very happy when after Sylvie blasts everybody, we got a Loki hair flip. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm like, there's the hair flip we've been missing this episode. <laughs> Let's see. Loki. Oh, yeah. So so Loki Mobius and Timely head off to the TVA mm-hmm. and Sylvie says she's gonna take care of Renslayer. Very ominous. Uh-huh. But she doesn't kill her. And it is interesting that she says that how many times she's killed her in her mind Mm -hmm. and how she says that kind of obsession, uh, I'm going to say can be toxic. That's not the word she used or something about how harmful that is. And I thought that was a bit of introspection on her part instead of just ripping her apart. She recognizes the the toxicity of that on her own being and, maybe, and so just sends her to the end of the time end of time <laughs> yeah and maybe she said that because she again sees a little bit of herself in Renslayer who's obsessed yeah. with getting order back it's just like Sylvie's obsessed with the pre-will piece and so yeah. maybe it's a warning to Renslayer mm-hmm. but but great choice to send her to the end you want to be at the end of time fine bye-bye <laughs> And I mean, Renslayer just found out he who remains is dead in this episode. It's Miss Minutes who tells her right. he's dead. So right. this is relatively new information to her. And yeah. now she gets it confirmed. Yes. Because presumably she's met him before because they had that conversation. Mm-hmm. And there he is mummified. There he is. So clearly the end of time is a pretty dry place. Oh my gosh. Well, maybe she took the tempad back from Timely. She must have because, yes, she must have. Because now she 
Renslayer has the temp pad to bring Miss Minutes. Yeah, I was trying to, I meant to go back and to see where she picked it up, but I, I didn't go back. But I, I yeah. wanted the same thing. I'm like, whoa, when did she pick that up? That has to be. It just has to be. That yeah. he entrapped her and then Renslayer took it and yeah. let her out. Yeah. So do you have any speculation on the big secret? One of my two sources, I did not. One of my tw- two sources says it's connected to that taped conversation. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting. She says it's going to make you so angry. So what, 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 uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I wrote down in the, at the time I was watching it, I think she's a he who remains variant. Oh, and, and that might be one of the reasons that he who remains wiped her memory. Plus the fact he doesn't like to work with partners. So he doesn't want to really work with himself either. Wow. Okay. That's kind of what I was thinking. And you know, it would even then kind of track in universe that they're sort of attracted to each other because we see that with the Loki variants as well. Right. Right. That was another connection I was making in my head. Yeah, I like it. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. (laughs) No, you go. Because I was, I need to, I was going to try to find, I know one of my, I think it was, it might've been heavy spoilers was also kind of talking about that, that they thought, or he thought that was possibly the big secret as well. Mm-hmm. But I was just trying to double check and make sure. Because sure. Like, great. Somebody else is thinking it. We definitely have things to watch for, like right. the Kang variant. Right. Like, like miss minutes is is she the big bad or just just a just a puppet who wants to be a real boy (laughs) and i mean even the whole he designed her to play chess at first and then gave her more autonomy and all of this sort of stuff it just it just really plays like one of those one of those tropes right and then oh my gosh ob ob and all of this yeah we've got we've got fun things that I fun questions that I hope get answered over the course of the season and at the very least we will know more right, right. about minutes his motivation about OB's motivations right these kinds of things right so I'm very I'm I'm just I am enjoying this season very much I would say yes me too I think this episode's already really long <laughs> so yes. I'll keep some of my other speculations to myself for now <laughs> So, uh, episode four. Do you know how many episodes are in the season? Is it just six? I thought it was six, but okay. I don't have that for sure. Okay. So if it's six, then we're halfway through. Ooh, oh, I, can't I just want to see the rest of it right now. I don't like Me too. It's drop. just like I was with Good Omens, except <laughs> we self-imposed our restriction with Good Omens season We did. Uh, Here we don't have a choice. Uh, all right. Well, only one thing left to do. That's to say bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Following in the Shallows is created and produced by the both of us. Edited by Mo. The soundtrack for the Wallowing in the Shallows, Loki Season 2, is Apache Rock Instrumental by Sound Atelier. Available on Gemendo.com. You can send us feedback at witstvpod at gmail.com. 
That's W-I-T-S-T-V-P-O-D at gmail.com. Subscribe. And subscribe. Subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. Like and subscribe.